Hi, my name is Mike Jordan Lasky, and I work for the Jesuits in Washington, D.C. In January, a brand new intern came on board here, but he's definitely not what you'd think of when you hear the word intern. His name is Father Jody Magtoto, and he's a Jesuit priest and a missionary from the Japan province. Originally from the Philippines, Father Jody was a software engineer before he entered the Jesuits, and he's putting those skills to use in our office, making and editing videos, and just generally being way better at computers than I am. Father Jody is in a stage of his Jesuit training called tertianship, usually a year-long period of prayer and ministry before a Jesuit makes final vows as a member of the Society of Jesus. He's here with us for a few months before heading back to Japan to start a communications office for the Jesuits there. I wanted to chat with Father Jody about his life and ministry in Japan because today is the feast of St. Paul Miki and Companions. Paul Miki was a Japanese Jesuit brother who was martyred with 25 other Catholics in 1597, an era of intense Christian persecution in the country. Fortunately, the Japanese enjoy complete religious freedom today, but Father Jody finds himself serving in a country that is less than half of 1% Catholic. I learned so much about Japanese culture and religion from Jody every time I talk with him, and this conversation was no different. I hope you enjoy it. Well, Father Jody Magtoto, thank you so much for hopping on to have a conversation today for the Feast of St. Paul Miki and, and his companions, uh, who were, were Japanese martyrs. Thank you uh, for the invitation. Oh, yeah. Well, it's been great having you here in our Washington, D.C. office. So why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a Filipino missionary uh, to Japan. I entered the Philippine province 2001. I was ordained 2012. I had uh, two years of pastoral ministry in northern Palawan, an island called Kulion. It was a leper colony. And then I was missioned to Japan 2014. Uh, that's November 2014. And then I did a year and a half of language studies. And then after that, I was missioned to teach English in Hiroshima. Where I stayed for a year and a half, and I'm here in the United States for tertianship. It's the last stage of formation before final vows. And uh, why are you here in, in Washington, D.C.? What are you working on particularly? Well, um, part of my new assignment when I would go back to Japan would be to handle communications, meaning um, we were going to set up a communications office in Japan, and I think it would be good for me to see how other provinces or how the conference is dealing with it. Sure. So what is it like? So you growing up in, in the Philippines in a very Catholic country, uh, becoming a, a priest, entering the Jesuits there, and then going to a country like Japan, which is not a Catholic Christian country. What have you learned about uh, Catholicism and Christianity within Japan since, since being sent there? Well, um, people have the misconception, especially in the Philippines, that I got the easy assignment um, in the sense that they view Japan as a wealthy country, as a first world country. But what they fail to realize is that the networks that we have in the Philippines are just not present in Japan. And so it means that I would have to work from the ground up in trying to establish a network and knowing people so that I can get the mission across. Um, it's not as if uh, Japan is isolated from everything Christian. I mean, 
they celebrate things like Christmas, although they've, they see it in a very different light. Um, for example, they eat Kentucky Fried Chicken. That's not an ad placement. <laughs> for Christmas, and that's a Japanese tradition. Um, but Christianity is different in Japan. And um, liturgically, they're, they're more somber. They're more pious. They, they, they look pious, at least. Um, and uh, it really reflects on, on their cultures and traditions. Sure. Yeah. One thing you mentioned to me I thought was interesting that in working in a Jesuit high school in Japan, things that I would take for granted in a Catholic school or Jesuit school, like a crucifix on the wall, because you don't really have any, very few, if any, Catholic students that you said that you don't even have that imagery. That's right. Um, our Catholic population in Hiroshima Gakuin, that's the name of the school, uh, just I think a couple of, I think there are nine Catholics in, in the entire school, if I'm not mistaken. There are people, or students who are exploring to become Catholics, but I think nine are, are the ones who are baptized, yeah. So it's it's not really predominant. Um, there's a lot of catechism that's necessary so that we can explain things about why we do things in Hiroshima Gakuin as opposed to what, what, what they do normally in, in other schools. Sure. So we're, we're chatting today because, again, it's for the Feast of St. Paul Miki, who was a Japanese martyr, and his companions. Um, and so I, I'm just curious to hear a little bit about how St. Paul Miki is, is remembered in, in the, within the Japan Jesuits, uh, if you identify with him at all. So just tell, me, tell us first a little bit about who St. Paul Miki was. Well, St. Paul Miki is a Japanese brother, and so he is from a noble family and he's really known for his speech you know he talks very eloquently in the native language in japanese and um it was in 1579 when they were actually martyred um their group was asked to march from kyoto to nagasaki which is around 600 miles and when they looked at the people who were marching, the martyrs, um, they had blood on their faces because along the way, some would cut their ears and they're really bloodied and, and all that. And um, I think most significantly was when on the cross, when he was hoisted up on the cross with the other martyrs, uh, they... Most of them actually were from the Philippines, um, meaning they had come to Japan as missionaries. And um, three of them were Jesuits, and three of them were Japanese. You know, the three uh, uh, Jesuits were Japanese, were uh, Paul Miki, Zohan de Goto, and Kisai. Paul Kisai, Peter Kisai, rather, yeah, yeah, and so they're they're quite revered in uh, Japanese Catholicism. Um, we have a retreat house on their on the site of their martyrdom, and um, each year celebrating uh, the twenty six martyrs, Japanese martyrs. This is a very big thing in the Japanese church. Sure. So you mentioned that some of the martyrs themselves were Filipino who had come as missionaries to Japan. 
Well, uh, en route. Okay. From the Philippines. Um, meaning uh, probably Spanish or me- even Mexican origin. Oh, okay. Um, going to the Philippines and then from the Philippines to Japan. Sure. Yeah. So, so they're not only Jesuits, the 26 martyrs, some of them are Franciscans. Sure. So as a Jesuit coming through the, from the Philippines to Japan, do you identify with their story? Obviously, the, the type of persecution that they experienced is not something that you would you know, be experiencing today in Japan, which is great. Um, but do you in any way identify still with that, their perspective that you've prayed with? Well, when I was discerning whether to help out the Japanese missions, I actually had a devotion, I still have a devotion to Paul Miki because um, it is a complicated mission um, because you're dealing with a culture that barely has anything in common with Christianity. And uh, I think because of that, it makes the mission a bit more challenging. Um, Yeah. So you have a, a connection, like a spiritual I do. in your I prayer do. life. In my prayer life, he pops up quite often. In fact, when I went through the exercises uh, as a tertian, uh, the presence of Paul Miki came out in in my prayers yeah, as somebody who tried to encourage me because the mission is actually difficult for me. Sure. Yeah. I know you've, you told the story of kind of some of your first experiences in Japan where after uh, the, the earthquake and tsunami there, mm. um, can you just tell us about some of that experience? You well, had? that was 2011, and in 2011, I was scheduled to go on exposure to Japan. Um, of course, we had not known that the earthquake was going to happen. What's exposure? Uh, well, since I was discerning whether I would like to be part of the Japanese missions, uh, the Philippine province asked me to go to Japan and see um, the ministries of the Japanese province and see whether I could find a place there, you know, uh, whether I would belong there or I would do some good work there. And because of that, we had scheduled uh, an exposure to happen around March. And as we know, it was March 11 when um, the earthquake happened, the great Tohoku earthquake happened in Japan. And they were thinking of canceling the entire exposure because nobody wanted to go to Japan at that time. But um, it was then that I thought that if I were to discern whether it would be it's God's will for me to go to Japan, it's probably the best time to, to go. And so that's why the provincial and I decided to continue the, the exposure. And in one of the community meetings in uh, the Scholastica, the seminary, in the Jesuit seminary in Japan, they were looking for volunteers. And since I wasn't really doing anything, I volunteered. And it was then that I uh, saw the devastation in uh, Tohoku. I went to a place called Kamaishi, um, which is known for their seafood. And um, if you remember a picture of the tsunami of a big ship uh, washed ashore, that's basically Kamaichi. And there were 12 volunteers, uh, an Indian Jesuit included, myself. To The 10 volunteers were 
none of them were Christian. And of course, after doing uh, relief work, doing uh, cleanup work as well, in our free time, people would ask about each other and they asked about me. They found out that I was a software developer before I entered the society and one of them was working in a software company. And um, it was perplexing to him to find someone who essentially turned his back uh, on, on software development, and which was, uh, well, quite a lucrative <laughs> position, probably still is. <laughs> and um, they had started to ask questions that, well, pertain to God. And for me, it was a eureka moment because I thought, here was I. I wasn't really directly preaching, but my very person led people to ask questions about God. Mm. And so because of that, I felt a strong calling uh, to the Japanese missions. And um, when I look back, uh, I remember upon returning to the Philippines, being moved by that experience, I actually prayed to, to St. Paul Miki and telling him that I'm absolutely clueless as to what's going to happen as they had not sent missionaries, Jesuit missionaries from the Philippines for the past 30 years. Um, and that helped me, you know, keep firm in trying to articulate the desire for the missions. And in 2014, I was sent. Wow, it's a, a powerful story. So, and in, in that time, then, in your connection, um, what or maybe what's one thing that you've learned about Japanese culture or Japanese Christianity that you might not have known before you went there, and something we might not know uh, being here in the West? Mm, that's a good question, and I really don't know the answer to that. Um, but seriously, Perhaps more of the culture first, um, because people mistake, mistakenly understand the Japanese as being racist, uh, meaning uh, they're not open to new things, but it's not really that. Um, the Japanese word for foreigner is gai kokujin. Gai means something that it's external. Koku is country, Jin is person, so somebody is external. Um, the more uh, common way of saying it, or, although impolite, is gaijin, which means an outsider. And so what that means is that a foreigner is somebody who does not understand the culture. A foreigner is someone who cannot do what's expected of him. And because of that, they're not really... A, accepted uh, as much. Um, it's knowing Japanese culture, it's knowing to read between the lines is actually more important. And in a way that kind of reflects uh, the way we should do mission in Japan, meaning it's a challenge for missionaries to try to understand Japanese culture and to find ways to use the culture in spreading the gospel. Um, I don't think we're there yet. Uh, I think Christianity is still viewed as, as an outside force 
trying to to wiggle its way into into Japanese way of into the Japanese way of life. But um, I think the challenge is for us to you know appreciate the culture and find ways where Christianity can settle in the culture and unsettle the culture at the same time. Well, Father Jody, thank you so much for sharing some of your uh, reflections uh, about being a Jesuit uh, in Japan, and we're so happy you're here with us in the States for these few months. Thank you.